Sullivan County in the WJFF listening area and in Pennsylvania, Lackawanna, Luzerne, uh, Wayne, Pike, and Susquehanna counties as well. And it goes right on through till tomorrow afternoon. Heavy rain is expected with one and a half to three inches falling today through tonight. So flood watch is in effect. This is WJFF, where your community radio station, WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello, Radio Catskill. Time now for Bodie Talk. And this is an archived edition from two years ago. Namaste, and welcome to Bodhi Talk, where the intention is to inform, inspire, and empower each of us to wake up to who we really are. Not human beings having a spiritual experience, but spiritual beings having a human experience. My name is Doug Bill, and today on Bodhi Talk, we're going to continue a discussion we began last week with Robert Kopecki, and he's talking about uh, the book that he has written, one of a few books, How to Get to Heaven Without Really Dying. Now, last week, uh, Robert was uh, telling us about these three near-death experiences that he had. Each one presented a kind of lesson, a kind of uh, uh, understanding. Uh, and it, it took a while for him to really incorporate all of that. The, he was describing his first near-death experience, which... Uh, again, of course, he survived all these uh, uh, moments that uh, could have done him in altogether. Uh, but he had a car accident in which he sort of rose above his physical body and looked down upon it. And um, the essence of what he was guided to understand was the the theme of our perspective, and I'm just going to, uh, and the next one uh, was the the theme of presence, and that was where he was uh, living in New York City, uh, uh, living a pretty rough life and having a, uh, just a combination of chemicals in his system that uh, nearly did him in again. And it was about the theme of presence that uh, struck him as so important. And we finished up our last show last week with the third experience in which he was basically uh, beaten up by skinheads, uh, hit with a tire iron or some such thing, and again nearly died. And then the the theme of purpose came up. And I'm going to, again, welcome Robert here on Bodhi Talk. And ask you, Robert, to just sort of uh, fill in the gaps that I've uh, left open there, those three themes, perspective, presence, and purpose. Uh, sure. Thank you. So, thank you so much, Doug. It's nice to be to be back. Um, yeah, they, you know, they took the forms of these three different near-death experiences, the first one being an out of, what they call an out-of-body experience that gave me the gift of what I call perspective. And uh, by the way, I went back to that location a couple weeks mm. later, of my own accord and surveyed the ground as it 
as it had appeared to me right because you from were describing pie. looking sort of scanning around taking everything right in, yeah my body and, was down below and you could not have seen any of that in the state and it was all it was all as i had seen it from above that's so a I, very interesting i confirmed point. it for myself yeah, there's right. a, there's no legitimate documentation for any of that but mm-hmm. that's what happened for me i needed to do that for myself so yeah. that I, I so that i knew that i wasn't crazy that i wasn't right, exactly. I hadn't gone <laughs> crazy or just suffered an extreme blow to the head, which I did. I did yeah. suffer an extreme blow to the head. But and again, was, at that time, you weren't really encouraged to talk about what you were experiencing. You you made some mention to your friends, but they just sort of looked at you like, okay, what has happened to Robert? <laughs> yeah, it, well, they looked at me funny anyway yeah. <laughs> most, of the, most of the time, but particularly when I started talking about that. At that time, too, I was, uh, I was you know... I was a big city uh, art director, newspaper art director, and I was teaching at a at a um, an art school for the Parsons School in Los Angeles. And mm-hmm. you know, I had lots of responsibility. Was part of uh, you know really on the up and up. Right. It wasn't like later when I was a pure freelancer and living mm-hmm. a kind of an isolated life. Like in in my second near death experience, which was this life review, what's called a life review, where I had scenes or sort of boxes of time from my life shown to me when I hadn't been completely present and, and gave me the uh, the gift or the lesson of presence. Is, that's the second part of the book. And then we'd left off when I was talking about uh, being uh, stomped and kicked by skinheads. Right, right. <laughs> it was just not good. I don't know why I'm laughing, but I guess because it's not happening now probably is why I'm laughing. Mm. But, um, you know, I was pushed back into this life because I hadn't a, done what I was supposed to do. I hadn't I hadn't found the kind of wholeness that I was supposed to find or the authenticity of being uh, that uh, was is is everybody's to discover um without really dying. By the mm. way, that's the important part. Mm. And so I got from that uh the gift of purpose, what I call the gift of purpose. That's the third part of the book and and I go into about you know how you know what you're doing is what you should be doing and uh, what the purpose is for all of us being here as best as I know it. Okay. And again, uh I personally have become rather familiar with the near death experience over the years. Uh I've uh, read a number of books uh back in the 90s uh Embraced by the Light was one by Betty Eady. Mm-hmm. And it really rang true, the lessons that she learned when she nearly died. I think she had a hysterectomy and nearly bled to death after mm-hmm. the surgery. And, uh, but she had these extraordinary experiences. And uh, I then went on to uh, describe uh, the, uh, or I, I, to read about other systems that were being uh, described by other people who had had near-death experiences. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were very much into the whole, uh, the nature of the experience they had and the lessons they learned. And uh, actually more recently... um, even Alexander wrote his book, yeah, Proof uh, of Heaven. Proof of Heaven, yeah. 
which you had an opportunity to hear him speak at that conference you attended in Seattle. Yeah, I spoke there. I've yeah. been I've been to a few things with a couple okay. of things with him now, and he's a nice guy. He's right. a good guy. Yeah. And the what's interesting about his perspective is as a he was a he's a neurologist, right? A neuroscientist. Yeah, uh, they have more credibility than underground right. cartoonists, apparently, right. when it comes to neurological things. Yeah. So he brought some <laughs> credence to the whole concept yeah. that maybe was lacking in others but what impressed me about your book is the the guidance that you're offering the reader to actually cultivate the kind of well i look at it as a way of being uh mm-hmm. a kind of perspective like uh the exercises are on uh cultivating ki- real kindness real humility real honesty forgiveness compassion and the real value of service, for example. and um, You provide practical guidelines as to how each of us may do the work of cultivating what nearly dying sort of, uh, I don't know if it was about being forced to understand this, but it was certainly uh, imposed upon you without really consciously choosing to do that yeah i mean i don't think nearly dying is the best way no. to learn <laughs> so to you're learn offering a way i didn't seem to have much choice and i'm pretty hard-headed so three times uh but but near-death experiences are all sort of custom made for the experiencer and not knowing anything about it after my first book came out which is called how to survive life and death i found myself kind of thrust into this community of near-death experiencers mm-hmm. and so i got curious about it i heard dozens if not hundreds of stories and started researching it a little bit more myself and discovered that near-death experiences are are culturally exclusive in many ways not only do they fit perfectly to the actual person who's experiencing them in the details of their life generally their upbringing their genes their experiences and the, the like their sort of package of karma that they are but um, Hindus uh, have a different near-death experience where they meet Yamraj and Chitra Gupta reads the Akashic mm-hmm. book to them. And, right, right. Uh, Tibetan Buddhists are, are ushered into the bardos, which are these realms of non-being in between lives mm-hmm. where they ultimately choose where they're going to be re- reincarnated. Right, because that's sort so, of what they're programmed in their culture to yeah. be ready for. So yeah. like Betty Eady's book, Embraced by the Light, she's hanging out with Jesus. Up right, and like so space. that was part of who she was exactly. already. And there's a very interesting aspect of this that has to do with that kind of spiritual technology I mm-hmm. spoke about in the last show. It's like, if you have to describe it, well, this is kind of a means of describing it, that we seem to be a package of information that moves beyond this physicality into a realm of great potential, where uh, sort of what we are is reflected back to us in a way. Right. And it's come, it came to me as lessons, mm-hmm. so that, you know, I, I didn't die, I'm here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what I came back with were these lessons that I could apply to my life, and having experienced these consistencies of near-death experience, the, the, the things that never change from culture to culture or person to person, the sense of being enfolded in love, of having a transcendent connectedness, of having a kind of inherent sense of purpose and, and being, an authenticity of being, uh, this kind of karmic guidance or instruction that we get, and then this sort of renewal, these things, 
are common to all near-death experiences. Mm -hmm. And in the book, that's what I try to do is is uh, give you uh, the means to experience those things in this life because I got news for you. It's all the same life. Mm-hmm. We just happen to be in this form right? in this life. We'll be in another form in another life, yeah. but yeah. we'll have the same kinds of challenges. Mm-hmm. And so what can align you with an experience of heaven? You know, what are people like when you think of how they'd be in heaven? What are they like there? Mm-hmm. Well, they're kind. They're all kind. And kindness is a, like a precondition, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all humble because it's kind of a horizontal hierarchy where there, nobody's a braggart, you know, nobody's competitive. There's no competition in heaven. Everybody is humble and easygoing, as it were. Because there really isn't any separation, essentially, between us. We're all sharing in this oneness. Yeah. And with that, and the understanding that we only appear to be ending our existence when the physical body dies there's the you now have a knowingness that when that happens it's not the end yeah people often that that just sort of takes away that whole fear factor yes and the and the first book how to survive life and death was really about that i really Mm. wrote that book to help people to help ameliorate some of these issues with death uh, that we have and people will often say to me well you had three near-death experiences Uh, are you afraid to die are you still you're not afraid to die probably are you and you know theoretically i'm not afraid to die just don't ask me to prove it right now (laughs) because I'm a human being. And so I have human instincts and that's the filter through which divine consciousness is Mm -hmm. streaming in this life. And being a human being, having this human beingness, I would say, our essence is really not a human beingness. It's really the, uh, this, uh, eternal self, uh, is one way to describe it. Yeah. We're all part Uh, of the same thing. Obviously, it, it, it's the the whole process of recognizing the uh, the extraordinary nature of this human life. Like I said, you you're not really inviting the end of this. It's a wonderful movie, and it's a great experience, and we become attached to it. Uh, but tell me about detachment in your experience <laughs> the movie uh the movie metaphor is always a good one for me because i used to always imagine my life as a movie kind of like a james bond movie probably mm-hmm. where i was the central hero huh. kind of strutting through an airport or mm-hmm. you know having the best joke at the party or something like mm-hmm. that you know i uh, come some kind of a kind of a glossy blockbuster with me as the leading man <laughs> okay right? that was the way when I lived kind of an egoic life, I've come to discover that it's really more kind of like a low-budget indie. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's quite an intimate thing that it, maybe the goals and, and the action is not quite as, as a broad and crazy. Um, it really just kind of focuses down into who I authentically am and what actually works in my life to align me with those sort of wonderful sensations I had in, in near death. Um, uh, like I was saying, kindness and humility are a couple of them. Honesty, it mm-hmm. simplifies your life and mm-hmm. brings respect into your life. Forgiveness, everybody in heaven would be very forgiving, naturally, mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. course. Uh, compassion, 
you can't imagine heaven without absolute compassion. The, the Dalai Lama says, if you want people to be happy, practice compassion. If you want to be happy, practice compassion. <laughs> I love that guy. It's a and, constant. Yeah. And then the, the, the last one, these kind of principles that align us with what heaven is like or what you imagine it as being like is, is service and is being of sort of unconditional service uh, mm -hmm. to one another, mm -hmm. uh, non-transactional relationships uh, where we're simply identifying with each other and the difficulties of, of being in this form. Mm -hmm. You know, the realization of the eternal in one another. Right. I think is a big part of our purpose. And and that point of non-transactional, like if I were to have $1,000 and I give you $500 making that transaction, I'm $500 poorer. But when we're transcending that whole transactional quality and I give you love, compassion, I'm kind, I'm actually richer, not poorer. Yeah, and that's what you're talking about, isn't it? That, um, yeah, it's a different definition of success. Exactly. Completely. Mm -hmm. That is untethered to the stuff that's always shifting and changing and comes and goes. And you know, you're up one day and you're down the next, and it's a it's a rough ride. It's mm -hmm. a roller coaster right. when you're involved in it that way. But if you can align yourself with what doesn't change, which when I'm sitting down by the the Upper Delaware River, sometimes in my in my meditations, I'll look at the bottom of the river. And all this stuff is rushing by, and it's being carried on the river. But it's a beautiful metaphor, right? It's being carried on the river, bits and pieces of stuff, and sometimes there's you know somebody's one shoe or something like that comes by. But it just casts shadows on the bottom. Mm -hmm. The bottom never changes. The, the, the world of changing, quote-unquote, reality just flows over it. It yeah. comes and goes. Yeah. When we attach ourselves to that thing that doesn't change, then the frequencies, the ups and downs of our life, uh, you know, if you think of it as a radio wave that goes up and a wave and then down and a wave and up. and, a, and But there's a line running through the middle exactly. to which we can anchor ourselves and remain in a state of serenity and grace uh, where we're not so... Uh, um, we're not so uh, tied in to the results or the expectations, mm -hmm. judgments, comparisons, mm -hmm. all of that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. Uh, that's not heavenly. Right. And so that experience that you've had, sitting on that stone, you showed me a picture earlier, of that stone that you've sat on by the river, it, it brings up an image, especially when you describe the, the metaphor of that. The... Uh, the work of Herman Hesse, Siddhartha, mm -hmm. where in the end of that novel, which Siddhartha is actually the name of the first... The Buddha. The one we know as the Buddha. Yeah. Siddhartha Gautama. Uh, and Hesse just wrote a novel that was in that time. and But he was just sitting by the river. He was like a, a boatman, a uh, ferry boatman. And he sat by that river and... He just absorbed the the essential perfection of the universe in that. Yeah, and I was I'm just wondering. I doubt that you ever really had any kind of inclination to just sit by a river. Before you had these experiences, there was something that changed within you that gave you the capacity to move more deeply into that. 
Yeah, process. well, uh, I'm, I'm, I wasn't being completely honest when I said that you don't have to die to go to heaven. Because everybody knows you have to die to go to heaven. But what kind of death, what form of death mm -hmm. uh, do you have to go through is kind of the question. I mentioned the, the dark night of the soul in my case right, is what right. it took. It was several years after my third near-death experience that these things coalesced. It began to coalesce in me. Mm -hmm. And it's because everything in my, or nothing in my life worked. Mm -hmm. I was professionally successful, but everything else was just in pieces. Mm -hmm. It just did not work and then I had this experience of 9 11 and, and came here and and uh, started meditating and these things coalesced uh, in me and started to inform a completely different life where I got interested in all kinds of stuff I'd never been interested in before I never wanted to read all of these things but in the in the uh, present section of the book um, I, I point out that all of the great wisdom of the ages is valid in the present moment that we are in right now, uh, wherever you come up with something that's brilliantly wise, that's going to hold true forever. It will always apply to human experience. Yeah. And Eternal so, wisdom. Right. And so yeah. I go into uh, Buddhism. I, I, I take the, uh, the Dhammapada, uh, the Bhagavad Gita, the Gospel of Thomas, a Gnostic gospel, mm -hmm. and the and thanks to a, to Coleman Barks, the great translator of Rumi, who gave me a use of his translations for this book, I go into the poetry of Rumi uh, mm -hmm. too, and so uh, we examine the the sort of paths to heaven that these things describe, mm -hmm. the experience of the Buddha that led to Nirvana, which is you know the extinguishment of the ego, the, right. the Buddhist uh, heaven. Uh, the the Bhagavad Gita is like a how-to, get to heaven, what's going on here mm -hmm. uh, book. I really love the way that you describe the Bhagavad Gita as a metaphor of a, a spiritual war kind of uh, It's the battle. Process. It's the inner battle. Exactly. The hero's on the battlefield, and yeah. he has to fight against aspects of his own being. Mm -hmm. He has to fight against his family, everything he depends on, right. everything he learns, he, and he doesn't want to do it. Yeah, but he's got this guidance well, his him. charioteer is Krishna, Krishna, which is like having God as your taxi driver in New York City, right? He says, listen, I'm going to tell you what's going on here, okay? And that's what the Bhagavad Gita is. Exactly. Krishna lays out to him what is going on yeah. on earth, you know? You're not going to kill anybody. I do that. You just show up and do your very best and don't worry about the results. Right. I take care of the results. You're not the slayer nor the slain. That's he's, right. He's, yeah. Guides Arjuna, who becomes despondent as he's Neither. about to go out to this battle knowing that these are beings that he has grown up with that are, yeah, they're on the bad side, the enemy. Right. And the war that he's about to go and on. And then they're very explicit about these about this unabashed spirituality of it. You know, it's neither the body is that's the the self is neither burned by fire nor wetted by the rain. Right. Right? It's the body the is like is, a set of clothes. It's invulnerable. The, the self, self itself is invulnerable. Right. Right. Yeah. And and uh Rumi, you know, is just really absolutely fantastic. I find him to be one of the greatest uh greatest paths into heaven that I can possibly think of. Um, you know, he Page had 120. this... 120. Uh, 120. <laughs> you got it. I, the thing that I wanted to... Um, is that the one? Uh, the one that I want to read from that's, that's is one on 120. Favorite. That's it. Exactly. That's you got it. That's one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and listen to this description of, of heaven in the, in the context that, that uh, Doug and I are talking about it. Out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field, 
I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about language, ideas, even the phrase each other doesn't make any sense. Fantastic stuff. Isn't uh, it? <laughs> I mean, these are the paths to heaven and to experiencing heaven on earth. Mm-hmm. And we don't need to die to move into the essence of this understanding, this way of being. Maybe less TV, more <laughs> of, uh, I mean, the, the sort of guidance you give, like these very practical exercises. Last week I asked you to take the time I usually devote to a namaste booster meditation. You guided us through uh, one of these meditations. And again today, a little bit later, we'll, we'll do that in a few more minutes. But uh, just to um, look at how this is something available to each and every one of us, uh, to be able to understand that there's this presence of which we are a part that is always there supporting us and guiding us. We're not separate from this. Whether you want to look at it as a guardian angel or what was for you an undeniable experience of a presence guiding you. It's there yeah. for each and every one of us. Yeah, that's always a little scary because somebody's watching all the time. Well, you know, don't pay attention brother. to this, Big please. Excuse watching. me. <laughs> but yeah, um, it, it is always available to us, and that's really, that's really the point. Everybody has experienced a little piece of heaven at one time or another in their life. When these aspects all come together, right, when you're living in an easy grace, when things aren't bothering you, when you're surrounded by love, when you see the, the uh, illumination shining off of one of your children's faces, mm. that kind of thing, mm-hmm. or off the upper Delaware River, yeah. you know? Uh, these things uh, happen for all of us, and holding it um, and bringing it into our lives consciously is, is, what, uh, is what how to survive, uh, or I'm sorry, how to get to heaven without really dying <laughs> is all about. Yeah. So if you can just guide us again uh, as our Bodhi Talk Namaste Booster through another one of these uh, meditations that uh, uh, whatever comes to you right now. Yeah, sure, thank you. Yeah, this is this is a little less of a meditation and a little more of an of an invitation. Um, the first thing I'd like to invite you to do is to spend uh, the rest of the day and hopefully tomorrow too being as kind to everyone as you possibly can be. That means no gossip and no sarcasm, but actual authentic kindness. And watch what happens in your life. I I guarantee you it'll be completely transforming. Uh, The other thing is this little exercise where I want to ask you to use what I call your divine imagination. Imagine yourself as this diaphanous, effervescent energy being that's riding around in this somewhat clunky form of our body. Now... You're sitting, detach, detach your energy self from your body and imagine exiting through the top of your head up by the ceiling and looking down into the room below you. And you'll see yourself sitting, you'll see whoever else is in the room sitting, and you'll see everything from up top. You can see where my hair is thinning from up there. (laughs) And with that experience, that lighter than air experience, When you re-enter your body, you can witness the spirit flowing through everybody, through the filter, the form of their life as it is, 
with complete identification and complete compassion. Wonderful. So, Robert Kopecki, author of How to Get to Heaven Without Really Dying. Thank you so much. And I also want to th thank Ron Penska for doing the engineering for this show. Um, and we're going to be doing... Uh, more of this kind of material. I, I, again, I deeply appreciate Robert Kopecki's way of bringing practical guidance to uh, a process that I, I often say that waking up is hard to do. It does take some effort. Um, and having a near-death experience is not an easy thing to go through. And then to bring all of that material back into an understanding of how to practically live our lives out that, that, that too takes a good deal of effort and work. And so I'm intending to develop uh, over the next weeks ways that I've touched on, but I'd like to go a little more deeply into the process of using breath, for example, to uh, deepen our connection in the eternal moment as it is here now. And uh, to also look at other ways that holistically we can develop that strength and balance within us that will allow us to experience a, a deeper connection of these themes that Robert Kopecki has uh, informed us about the perspective, the presence, and the deeper purpose of our lives. So, again... Uh, Thanks for all of you spending your time this afternoon listening to Bodhi Talk. And thanks to Jay Merrill for creating the Bodhi Talk theme music. And thanks to you for listening and for supporting public radio. And remember, be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Namaste. Sierra Hull, 25 Trips, is the title cut of her new release. Oh my.